so I'm not going to talk for a real long time. But the, the first thing I want to say is, as this is a truth. This is something that I've learned since I've been here. There are some things that I want really bad for everyone in our church to experience and be a part of and to know, and to know firsthand. Um, but, but the truth is, I can't want it bad enough for you. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, the, the devotional work and the doing the daily work. And one of the things you've heard me say is that, that discipleship happens daily, not in a day. So, so we develop as disciples daily, and it doesn't happen on a Sunday, on a single Sunday, but it develops daily. And so, um, but I can't, I can't want that for you. I, I can't want you to do that, and then my desire for you to do that, to actually be enough for you to do it. So, so it all starts with desire, life change. If life change is going to happen, if we are going to actually, you know, be transformed and let God change us and transform us into the image of his son, if that's going to happen, we have to be intentional about it. There has to be purpose behind it. And so, but I can't, I can't have that desire. I can want it for you, and I do want it for you, but I can't have it for you to a point where it'll actually uh, make a difference. And one of my favorite teachers is John Maxwell, and I've, I've heard him talk on, on how to really change and um, he says it starts with thinking, and, and that's a really important part, but I actually think it starts before that, and the reason I think that it starts before that is because God says to love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and that's, that's the order that it's listed in when it's in Scripture, and I think you, can ha- you, can have a de- you have to have a desire to even want to change the way you think that will affect the way you live your life, and so... We can, we can work to change our thinking, but if we don't have the desire to change our thinking, we're going to get stuck. So I can't, I can't want it bad enough for you. I do want it so badly for you. I want so badly for us to experience this deeper level of relational community and growing as disciples in this way. But I can't want it bad enough for you. It has to come from your desire. I think the, the idea of becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, is actually fairly simple and straightforward. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And, and, and that's kind of the definition we use, we use as, of what discipleship is. But I think, I think we, can, we can explain it like this, that, that if we want to become like Jesus, which is the whole goal, to become like Christ... It starts with following Jesus, and if you're following someone that's following Jesus, then you're following Jesus. But then I think there are some, I'm going to call them disciplines for lack of a better word, some, some disciplines that we do that actually facilitate this transformation. And it's not just enough to follow Jesus and do our daily disciplines, like we've been talking about reading the Bible for five minutes a day and praying for five minutes a day. But it's not enough to just follow Jesus and do these daily disciplines. We need to do them in community with others. And it's, I think, that process, that that three-phase process where we're following Jesus, doing the daily disciplines in community, that we actually start to change. And last week we had Transformation Sunday, which was, was awesome. I loved hearing all the stories of how God has transformed people and and uh, I'm looking for a, a more strategic, intentional way to capture those stories all throughout this year so we can share them and celebrate them and, and put them in front of you. 
But the people that I've observed who have transformed, who have changed the most over the course of last year had these things in common. They did three things every week, and they did four things every day. And this is going to sound a lot. It's going to sound overwhelming. But, but one of the things that, that Rooted does is it, is it walks you through this process, and, and it develops these habits, these rhythms is what they call them, uh, the rhythms of, of being a disciple in your life. And, and while it feels like a lot on the front end, once you have gone through it, you look back on it, so, oh, that wasn't that difficult. But there are, there are three weekly rhythms that I think are important, and then four daily ones. The first one is those who transformed the most over the last year came to church every week. They had a smaller community of people that they did life with, and they served regularly in the church. They, they did those three things every week, and then from what I know from them personally, knowing them, they did these things every day. They read their Bible, which is spending time with the Father. And if we don't spend time with the Father, it's going to be hard to become like Him. So we have to spend time with Him reading and praying and talking to the Father. So we have to, we have to hear and we have to talk and communicate. So they read every day. They prayed every day. They connected with other people in their, in their community every day and encouraged one another and, and, and prodded one another in the faith. And then in their daily lives, they looked for opportunities to lift others up and to be the light. And, and if, you're, if you're hearing those things, like, I can't imagine doing all of those things every single day or every single week. It's just, it's overwhelming. Well, yeah, if we try to add all of them in right now at this very moment, it would be overwhelming. But, but if we start working a little bit at a time and adding them in and, and making small changes over the course of this year in our lives, we'll slowly start to become more and more like Christ, and it won't even feel like work. I was praying in here on, on Thursday, uh, Thursday afternoon, spent some time in prayer, and like to have some time alone in the building and pray and walk around the sanctuary and just spend some time with God and a focused kind of a way. And as I was praying, um, I think there are a couple of things that I want us to know before we, before we even start rooted. And it has to do with the video we watched. What I've learned is that Satan's two primary tactics are ideas and isolation. The, the two tools he uses the most to come after us are ideas and isolation. And, and, and it should be no surprise that in a day and age where we live today where we're surrounded by an abundance of an endless amount of ideas that we also feel probably the most isolated as a society than we've ever felt. We're driven into isolation on a regular basis, and we're constantly bombarded with ideas. And see, I think if Satan, if, if our enemy, the enemy that is coming after us, if, if, if he can get us, if he can get you and me distracted by an idea, get us, get us thinking about an idea, and then get us isolated so that we obsess about the idea, then he wins. 
If, if he can plant an idea, a lie, a, a, a either you know, a partial truth, a half truth, whatever it is, if he can plant this, this idea in our minds and then get us isolated so we spend time dwelling on these ideas and just obsessing over it, then he wins. And if you look at it, this is exactly how he approached both Eve and Jesus. So he approached Eve in the garden when she was alone, or, or at least Adam wasn't interacting with her. He might have been right there, and he just didn't step in. Where, where were you, Adam? But he approached Eve in the garden, maybe when she was by herself, by herself and he distracted her with an idea. He said, did God really say? And then he shared a couple of half-truths or two-truths and a lie like Corby shared with us. And if you read about Jesus in the wilderness, he did the exact same thing. Jesus isolated all alone by himself in the wilderness. Satan comes and tempts Jesus, and he uses truths, and he manipulates truths and tries to plant ideas in Jesus' mind while he is isolated to get him to abandon the purpose for which he came. I think these are Satan's two primary tactics, ideas and isolation. You see, if, if you don't have anyone around you to keep you from eating the fruit, you know, where were you, Adam? If you don't have, if you don't have someone close to you to say, you're about to, you're about to do something you shouldn't be doing, stop then we let the idea win. Are there times for solitude? Absolutely. We need to be alone with God, but, but that should not be the reason we use to not be in community. And while I was praying this Thursday, this idea came to mind is that we're playing checkers while the devil is at war. And, and I know I take this serious enough for everyone in this room, and, and you're probably thinking, man, just lighten, lighten up a little bit. And that's actually one of my goals for 2019 is that I can lighten up a little bit because I know I'm really, I'm really serious about what we do here at the church, and, and I'm trying to actually let you all. I do have fun sometimes. You know, it's like I, have, I enjoy a good laugh, and I like to, like to have fun and, and do some of that. So I'm working on that. I'm trying, I'm trying to ease up a little bit. And so you probably all think, well, you take it intense enough for all of us, but it, it kind of feels like the way we, we, approach, we approach our relationship with Jesus is um, because a lot of us, and I'm, I'm not putting anyone down, I'm just, I'm just saying myself included in this, is that we, we try to add a little bit of Jesus into all these different parts of our lives. And when everything, when it's easy, we go, we go all out with Jesus. We go all in with Jesus, and, 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 we, and we work it well. But then when, when life gets busy, oftentimes that's the first thing we cut out. That's the thing that, that goes, oh, well, really tired this week, so uh, I, I'm not going to go to church. Or really tired this week, so I'm just going to hang back from my rooted group. It was real stressful, real, real bad week. I just can't imagine getting anything out of. And the times that we should be in community the most are the times we tend to be in it the least. And that's, you know, if we're, if we're taking this, if this, 
if this really is the most important thing in our entire lives because it's eternal, if our relationship with God is the most important thing, and, and this is the thing that's going to drive us through eternity, and if eternal life really is knowing the Father and being with the Father, if that's what, if that's what we're going to be ending up with, and this is the thing that, that God wants to be at the center of everything we do and first and foremost about everything we do. And where we have an adversary who's known as the prince of this age, the prince of this world that we live in. And he's been around for a while. This is not a new game to him. This is something that he's been developing. His strategy is one he's been working at for a long time. Are, are, we, are we at the same kind of intensity level where, where our enemy is, or are we just kind of sitting at the table playing checkers and, and he's shooting arrows? Are, are, we, are we just kind of playing a little bit of a game when we have the time to play the game? And, yeah, we'll, we'll make a couple moves here and there, and we'll, we'll jump a couple people, and maybe we'll get somebody kinged eventually in four or five years from now, and we'll be able to kind of come back and, and, and win the game. But, but all the while, we're sitting there playing this game, and, and Satan's actually destroying us. We're isolated, we're off alone, we're, not, we're, we're just playing the game, and he's at war. I want, us to, I want us to approach this thing that we're doing as a church with, with a, with a warlike intensity, because this is a war. This is the outpost that God has stationed you at. This is the outpost God has stationed me at. And he, has, he has outposts all across the region, all churches that, that are in the same battle and the same war. And it's a war that we've explained many times that we've already won. We already have the victory through Jesus Christ. And yet, yet so often we, we just kind of play the game instead of claiming the victory. What if, we, what if we just decided, you know what, we already have the victory. Let's, let's surround ourselves with the resources of the victory. When we've already won, instead of, instead of just kind of you know, knowing that we have the victory, but still willfully putting ourselves back under the discipleship of the enemy in the world, which if we're being discipled more by the world than we are by Jesus Christ, we're under the discipleship of the enemy, and, and it's a very well-thought-out strategy. What if we flip that and, you know, we're, we're going to put all of our effort and tension and, and be about the kingdom? Some of you probably heard me tell this story, and you better get used to it because it's a pastor illustration that we're probably going to use a lot of times. But there was an old country pastor, farm pastor, in a farming community, and he had one of his parishioners that, uh, that, that had stopped coming to church, and this pastor cared greatly for the people in his church, and so he went and, and he visited this farmer. And it was wintertime, cold winter, and I don't know exactly where this happened. I don't even know if it's a real story, but it's a great illustration. So we'll just assume it's somewhere that's really cold, and so he goes in, the, the pastor goes in to the house, and, and the guy's got a, a fire going, and, and the pastor just walks over to the fire, takes the tongs, and, and grabs one of the red coals, 
pulls it out of the fire and sets it on the hearth out of the fire, but still in a safe spot, and then just kind of goes back and, and sits down. They don't really talk about anything significant, maybe have a little bit of small talk. And as he sits there, that, that coal slowly just turns more and more black, cools off. And after about an hour or so, he goes back over, picks the coal up with his bare hands, puts it in the fire, and leaves. And that Sunday, and for the Sundays after that, the farmer came to church. And as legend has it, that, that farmer says, it's the best sermon you ever preached. Ideas and isolation. If Satan can get us off by ourselves, it's not long until we cool off. It's not long until the fire goes out. It's not long until we find ourselves just, just, just a shadow of what we were designed to be, what we were created to be. And, but the great thing about it is it's just that always just that one step back. It's always just that one act back. It's just turning away from the thing that distracted us and back towards what Jesus has for us in the first place. So we're going to finish up this video. We've got sign-ups in the back, some for the Sunday group and some for the Wednesday group. I'm hoping everybody signs up. That's, that would be a win for me. But will you consider as we finish up this service, if, if you will join a rooted group and then just sign up and then we'll be in contact with the details about it and work, work that throughout the course of this week. If you were to get in that kind of situation... If you were to find yourself under the attack of a lion, do you have the support around you that could come to your defense? Do you, do you have the people in your life that would come around you and chase off the lion and bring you back into safety? And if not, then maybe it's time to uh, go a little bit deeper and more intentional with community. We want to believe these are the four words that are driving everything we do here at 6A Church. Our mission, our vision is this. We exist to see people and places transformed by the presence and power of Christ and me. That's our vision. That's what drives everything we do. And then there are these four words, believe, belong, become, and beget. We focus a lot on believing, but if we're ever going to become and actually beget and pass on what we, what we have been given, we need to belong to a community that actually helps us become like Christ wants us to become. Let's stand up together this morning. As the worship team sings this song, leads us in this song, we invite you to come forward, get the elements for communion. We'll take them together afterwards. Let me pray for us. Father... I thank you for the power that lives in this community. I thank you for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that is present here in this place as we're gathered together right now in this moment here, the living temple, the living temple of, of, of Christ, of God, the, the presence of God is here in this living temple this morning. All these bodies, all these living stones gathered together and the presence of God is here. I thank you that that resurrection power, that new life power is here. 
Father, I pray as, as we go about this week and as we go about this year that, that you would help us to, to take that next step, whatever that next step is in following you and, and being serious about our relationship with you and, and knowing you and, and being known not only by you but by others here, that, that you would give us the courage to step out and say, I don't know what it looks like. I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit worried about people knowing who I really am. I'm a little bit nervous about all the work and having to do all of that effort to keep up and being there every single week. And I'm just scared about all of these different things. But, but if you'll just help us, Father, to see by your faithfulness of the past that you have a plan for us for the future, that is so much better than what we've been experiencing up until now. To see that, that you have a desire for us and it is good that in the midst of it all, whether, whether, it's, whether it's things going our way or not, you have a desire for our good. Father, I pray that you would help us to take a step of faith into this kind of community, into this kind of relationship with others and that you would use these moments of iron sharpening iron to chip away the things in our life that don't need to be there any longer and to grow us up in Christ that we might look more and more like him this year than we ever have been in the past and that this place would be a place where people follow Jesus with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. 